This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. And I'm very excited to be interviewing our guest today, Colin Carr. Uh, He's the founder and CEO of Carr, that's C-A-R-R. And they're the nation's leading provider of commercial real estate services for healthcare tenants. That's you guys uh, and buyers. So every year, thousands of healthcare practices trust them to help achieve the most favorable terms on their lease and purchase negotiations. So did you get a good deal or not, right? That's what we need to figure out. And Colin has been involved in commercial real estate since 2000 and personally completed over 1,000 transactions. That's a lot of work. All right. So Colin is an experienced mentor and instructor, having trained over 150 commercial real estate agents in markets across the country. All right. So we're similar that way. We do some training, Colin. That's awesome. Uh, He also educates thousands of healthcare professional administrators, business owners, and students on an annual basis through national meetings, conventions, study clubs, associations, universities, and webinars. So welcome, Colin. Uh, I know that you and I have already been talking about this and the physical plant, the space, the real estate, the leases for dentists. And I'm really excited to just get your insight on how to help dentists and, and just process this and make sure that they understand what they're getting into, whether it's a lease or a buy or what have you. So welcome. Great to be here. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a, uh, I think a great podcast um, YouTube video for people just to, to experience because I want them to walk away with a good understanding of each scenario, each situation. Yeah, I shared this with you. I get all the time. I'm, I'm leasing now. My lease is coming up. Should I renew or should I go over here and build? Should I buy I buy this space that's existing over there? Dealing with a client right now. And it's, it's just always out there, always uh, such a hot topic. So I'm really excited to jump into this with you and help those people who are listening out with this and come up with their own solutions. So let's, yeah. let's, let's jump right in. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. So you tell me, commercial real estate, you know, What's on the line here? Why is it so important for dentists to understand commercial real estate and how it works? Yeah, well, it affects every practice, regardless of what city you're in in the country. If you're in a uh, an urban area, if you're in a downtown market, if you're in a rural area, you have to have an office space if you're going to have a dental practice. And the question of lease or purchase comes up all the time. What we like to start with is just talking about how much is really on the line. If you have an average size dental space, let's say 2,500 to 3,000 square feet, Mm -hmm. and if you purchase a practice and you inherit a lease, or if you negotiate a deal and maybe don't get the best terms possible, and let's say you're overpaying by two or $3 a square foot, which would be very common in a lot of markets, you take take $3 a square foot times 3,000 square feet, and you've got an extra $9,000 per year in rent that you're paying that you could have avoided. And you take that over a 10-year period, all of a sudden you're at $90,000. And then you ask questions like, let's say I didn't negotiate the annual increases the way that I would have liked to. Or did you get the free rent package that you could have negotiated? And a lot Mm -hmm. of times people will say, well, I didn't know you could negotiate free rents. Did you get the build-out period you should have gotten? And then you get into concepts like a tenant improvement allowance. How much did the landlord give you to pay for your build-out? How much did they give you to renovate the space during the lease renewal? And it's, it's not uncommon to have the amount of concessions or items added up and have that be several hundred thousand dollars over a 10-year period. I mean, even if it's $50,000, $100,000, $200,000, that's real money. 
And then you ask yourself the question, you know, when you bill a dollar, how much do you keep? Do you keep 28 cents? Do you keep 18 cents, 35 cents? So if you go out there and you make a $90,000 mistake with your rent, you, you lose $40,000, $50,000 in tenant improvement allowance, you lose another 20,000 in free rents, and you keep on adding these numbers up. If you get to a $150,000 or $200,000 uh, number, which is very easy to do, how much do you have to go produce now just to have money left over to pay the bills for those mistakes or to borrow more money from your lender or to yeah. pay on that money? And so the bottom yeah. line is short-term lease, long-term lease, small space, large space, there's tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in play and you want to capitalize and get the most amount of money you can for your yeah. practice. Well, and they don't even realize they're missing the money. They just think that's what the going rate is. That's what they need to pay that. Cause that's what the landlord said to pay and negotiation. What's that? You mentioned build out and making sure that they've negotiated that in, into your lease. Tell me more about what you mean by that. So in commercial real estate, it's very common for landlords to give you a amount of money in, a, in the form of a tenant improvement allowance or a renovation allowance for you to lease the space. If you commit to a five, seven or 10 year lease, they'll contribute money towards the build out. And this is true whether you're an office user and you own a CPA firm, whether you're Chipotle or Starbucks, you're a large national retailer, or whether you're a startup dentist leasing 2000 square feet. If yeah. you're going to commit to lease uh, you know, again, a, a, a certain space, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, twenty thousand square feet, and you're going to do it for more than a couple of years, landlords will contribute towards the build out. And, and a lot of tenants don't know that. And so they miss out on that or they don't know how much they can really go after. And that's they what I'm on the table. Yeah. So, so let's say rent's going to cost, I would just use simple terms. It's going to cost me $3 a square foot. And, but I'm saying, Hey, landlord, I, I want to rent this for 10 years. I'm going to, this is where I'm going to be a 10 year lease. I'm willing to sign that. Are you saying that and I need to build it out. I need to, it's just, it's just empty space. It needs to be turned into a dental office. Are you saying that they will pay for some of it, all of it in that build out or how does that work? Yeah, it's typically a portion. It depends on the amount of rent being paid, the length of lease. It depends on how much you're asking them for. As an example, if you were a physical therapist and your build out mirrored that of a traditional office user and you were in an office building, they might pay for the entire build out because it's similar to what a CPA or an attorney might ask for. Got if it's it. a dental office or a veterinarian office where it's a lot higher end, a lot more complicated, uh, millwork, plumbing lines, all yeah. sorts of stuff like that, um, typically they'll pay for a portion of it. Okay. And whether it's whether that's a quarter of it or half of it or three fourths of it, it just depends on what's the condition of the existing space, how nice the finishes do you want. Bottom line, they're going to pay a portion of it in the vast majority of leases, and that's in exchange for you committing to a long-term lease. Wow, that's great. Okay, that's really good to know. So, and since we're talking about this, I mean, I've got clients, like I said, right now, and they're January 1st is right around the corner, and they're wondering, you know, should I renew my lease? Do I just take the amount? There's a, you know, cost of living increase on this. But I also see this building over here that the dentist just decided not to come back from COVID, right? Just said, no, not coming back. And it's for sale at, I don't know, $500,000, let's say, just easy math. Should I lease it? Should I buy it? I'm not, you know, a young chicken anymore. You know, maybe I'm only going to practice for 10 more years. Should I go buy this physical plant? Is, is there a benefit to owning the building over leasing? I guess would be the big question. Yeah, there's huge benefits to ownership. What it starts with, uh, or let me say it this way, 
if you start looking at it and say, I'm only going to practice for 10 more years, well, that's 10 years that you could be receiving tremendous tax deductions, principal pay down, the building could be appreciating over that time. And then when you sell your practice, you could still write a 10 year lease for the person that buys your practice to also lease your building. And so for me, it doesn't matter if you're going to practice for two more years, five more years, 30 more years. The main questions are, how does the purchase compare to your lease opportunities? Now, there are times when leasing makes a ton of sense. If you are not sure if you want to be in a certain area for more than five or 10 years, that's great flexibility. If you need help from the landlord perspective, as far as will they pay for a portion of the build out? Will they give you free rent during the build out? Will they give you free rent once you open? And if you only have a certain amount of money you want to borrow, then leasing gives you more flexibility from that perspective. But the, the main question of should I lease or should I purchase? Uh, finds its answer typically in the numbers. And we recommend doing a very detailed purchase versus lease analysis. And it breaks down the cost of ownership versus leasing upfront. What's the check you're going to have to cut if you lease versus you purchase? And then it gets into what type of tax deductions do you pick up if you're leasing versus purchasing? And then it factors in principal pay down. Every month you cut a check when you own, you're paying down principal, which means your net worth is increasing every single month. And then you get into appreciation, you get into other factors, uh, you, you talk about down payment. Can you even afford to buy the building? Will a lender give you the money to buy it? So there's all these factors there. Long story short, if yeah. you have a chance to own real estate, you should always look at it, in my opinion, and then you should do a detailed purchase versus lease analysis. That's great. I love it. The question I get is, am I too old to, to take on that much debt? So client is 50 plus years old. And they're wondering, should I take on this debt? You know, I'll just keep leasing. And and for me, it's like, and you can tell me if this is bad advice, but for me, I'm like, look, and I think you kind of said this was was you buy it now, it's only gonna go up in value, okay? For the most part. I, I understand there's bad times and good times, but it's gonna go up in value. And you're gonna have the write-off this whole time, of course. And at the end, you can decide if you wanna sell that building or be the landlord again on the other end. And have some income coming in eventually, right? Yeah, I mean, the reality is, if you have a lease, you still have a debt. Yeah, it might not show up on your credit report, and, and you yeah. know, most commercial stuff for your practice doesn't show up on your credit. But if you have a five-year lease and you're committed to paying sixty thousand dollars per year, that's a three hundred thousand dollar obligation that's tied to your practice. And in the vast majority of leases, doctors are are required to personally guarantee it, or at least a large portion of it. Uh, uh, eventually you might get to where you can shake that personal guarantee or if you have a large practice or a lot of locations, maybe get around it. But if you have a five-year lease, you're paying 60 grand a year, that's 300,000 that you're committed to. And then yeah. you factor in concepts like utilities, janitorial, you got to have those, you got to have the spaces clean, you got to have the spaces cooled and heated, et cetera. You're already locked in for probably three dollars $400,000. It's a great so way to look at it. Yeah. You got to have a payment either way. You got to have a location either way, unless you're running a mobile clinic or something like that, which <laughs> it's out there, but not, not yeah. great. Probably. Yeah. You, you got to have an office. And then yeah. if you didn't have an office, you're going to have a payment unless you pay off the building. Yeah. So I don't care if someone's got two years left in their career. I don't care if they're 50 or they're 70. If you have a chance to buy an asset that makes sense, that's going to hold its value and most likely appreciate. And the effective cost of owning is equal or better than leasing or the benefits of tax deductions and depreciation and principal pay down, if that makes more sense than leasing, that's just that's just another yeah. chance to have a great investment. Okay. Uh, you make me feel better about the things I've said in the past now. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is all about, is making sure I feel good about the advice I've given. Yeah. 
No, I, I just look at owning and I look at it and I say, gosh, I just, the dentists that I've helped in the end, when they're done with their careers and they're retiring, they've just been so much better off when the building was something they had to offer to the next person in line. Yeah, I mean, there's some markets where you have no choice. Uh, you can't own. If sure. you want to do business, like there's markets. Yeah. I'm in Denver. There's markets in Denver where if you want to buy a building, your cheapest building is going to be four or five million dollars. Ridiculous. Yeah. Doesn't make sense for a lot of people. However, if you have a chance to own real estate, uh, the numbers that we track show that when someone's selling their practice, and it doesn't matter if it's dental, medical, veterinary, if they're selling their practice, the real estate is worth more than the practice over yeah. over three fourths of the time. 75% of the time yeah. it's worth more than the actual practice. Yeah. So if you have a scenario where you're selling a practice for a half million or a million and the real estate's worth as much or even more, I mean, that's a phenomenal way to look at it. I mean, you just doubled your asset base. Yeah. And then a lot of times, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the doctor who's selling it will decide to write a lease to the new buyer for 10 years. And they'll just cash flow it over a 10 year period. They'll probably give them a chance to buy it maybe five, seven years in, but if you're going to practice 10 more years, get a 20 year mortgage, uh, you know, perfect. Pay off, pay off 10 years of the note, write a 10 year note. And then when it's, when it's time to sell that thing or the, the mortgage is done, that thing might be free and clear. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's look at the flip side of the coin. What are the mistakes dentists are making with their space, their physical plant? Well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> it's like okay. saying, what do, Go what easy do, on us. Go yeah. easy on us. <laughs> It's like saying, what what do people have? What kind of problems people have with their teeth, right? <laughs> there's, there's more than one or two. Uh, I'll start with, with ones that are the most common. One of the most common mistakes that that dentists make with their real estate is they don't realize they're in a high dollar negotiation with a very savvy person. There's definitely the ma and pa type landlords that are kind of low key and just kind of hang back, but uh, most landlords are pretty savvy, and they, they own buildings that are worth a million, two million, you know, tens of millions of dollars, especially these larger institutional landlords that own these huge retail centers or these class A office or medical office buildings. And then they go into these negotiations thinking they can just tell the landlord whatever they want. They can say, this is my favorite space and I want to lease this one. Or on a lease renewal, they'll say, I don't really want to move. Hmm. And the challenge is that landlords are in business to make money. It's not, it's not a 501c3 nonprofit. Landlord, even if it is, those guys still want their real estate to cash flow at the highest level. Landlords want to make money. And the definition for most landlords of what is a market lease rate, the answer is the most that you're willing to pay. Yeah. And it's no different than, than you. I mean, if you're going to sell your house and it was worth $400,000, yep. if you, your broker said, I think I can get 500000 for it, you would say, then sell it for the most you can sell it for. I mean, yeah. that's you're not trying to be, uh, you're to be over yep. the top or trying to take advantage of people. But your response would be, I, I want the most I get out of it. Landlords look at it the same way. If they hear a doctor say, I don't want to move or I can't mm. move. Or if a, if a doctor starts a renewal negotiation and they've got two months left, the landlord knows they're not serious. The landlord knows that they haven't taken the, the, the steps necessary to figure out what the market looks like and then put together a strategy and game plan. So the landlord knows that they're going to be able to bump their leash rates uh, not give them any concessions, not not give them a fair deal, and the doctor's probably going to take it. So I, I, I totally get this. And, you know, dentists didn't become dentists so that they could be business owners or <laughs> leases or something. You know, it's like they wanted to help people get healthy. And, and so this is one of those aspects where you're really taking us to school here, Colin. So I appreciate it. What about it's January 1st is coming. 
And now my landlord's coming to me and they're saying, we want you to sign this one year lease renewal. For some reason now it's on a year to year, you've expired your five years or whatever it was. And there is, is there a negotiation in that? Can, do, can you say, no, I want 30 days or is that dangerous? Or how flexible do you want to be as a dentist? Uh, you don't want to have a month to month or a year to year lease as a dentist unless you were the one calling those shots in a random scenario, such as let's say you were building a building and it wasn't going to be finished for six more months and you needed a short-term renewal, that could be a reason why you want one. But if you're in your practice and you're planning on practicing for a considerable amount of time and you don't have a deadline or a target coming up where you're going to sell or something, uh, you want a longer term lease. You don't want to have to deal with the fact that they could kick you out with short notice. Uh, they could tell you that you have to move very quickly. I mean, those are those are very bad places to find yourself. Okay. So why would a landlord be offering a year-to-year lease? Um, if they perceive the market to, ha- to have the chance to go up considerably, or yeah. if they had a chance to lease to somebody more desirable, uh, or if they were thinking about maybe t- tearing the building down and rebuilding or redeveloping, yep. concepts like that. If it's a really nice building and, and they're not going to tear it down or, or redevelop it, they're probably playing the market. They probably think they're going to watch you, see what happens. They might try to lull you to sleep with that type of a scenario and then hit you a month before your next renewal and then yeah. dramatically increase the lease rates and know that yeah. you have no option. Yeah, I can't imagine that that short-term lease is something they would even want unless they have something else in mind. Yeah, if a landlord is offering a short-term lease, you know right away something's going on. Yep. It, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Landlords want stable investments. Yep. Landlords want long-term long-term commitments and they want long-term cash flow. When you see Got landlords with shorter-term leases, it's it's not to help you. Like I can guarantee you this. If a yeah. landlord's offering a shorter-term lease, it is not going to be to the benefit of the tenant. It's going to be to their benefit, and you need to figure out why are they doing this. What's what's the uh, the <laughs> what's the angle that they're taking? Yeah. Yep. All right. So ideally, we think in terms of an ideal situation, what what can dentists do to ensure they're not being taken advantage of that they're in any transaction, whether it's buy or lease uh, in the future? The top thing they can do is hire professional representation. The do-it-yourself approach in dentistry, I don't care what, what, what aspect it is, uh, if it's some new procedure, if it's hiring and training better staff, if it's understanding how to use technology, the, the do-it-yourself approach is a uh, almost guarantee for lackluster, average, or, or disastrous results. The reality is when a dentist calls a landlord and starts talking real estate, or when a landlord calls a dentist and the dentist starts answering questions and addressing things head on, the landlord knows immediately that the doctor has no idea what they're doing. Hmm. Here's the reality. If Chipotle has a lease coming up, they have a team of professional attorneys and agents that are that are all over the market and they know exactly what they will or won't pay. It's the same for a Starbucks or for any major grocery anchor. It's the same thing for large officers. If Lockheed Martin or Charles Schwab's going to the market, they don't have some random person taking calls. They have an in-house team of brokers or agents and attorneys dealing with it. And then they still hire outside agents to represent them. So if you're a professional, if you're a professional company, whether you're a sole proprietor or whether you're a huge publicly traded company, if you're serious about being successful, you hire people professionally to represent you. And in real estate's typically the second highest expense behind payroll for most dentists. Might be third, you know, behind 
you know, merchandise and capital equipment for a season, but over 30 years, real estate's probably going to knock in at number two. And so if you have your second or third highest expense behind payroll and, and you are trying to take the helm and deal with it, you're going up against professional landlords, you're going to get owned in that negotiation. Yeah. And a lot of times they'll do it with a smile on their face. They'll be cordial. They'll be respectful. Um, they'll <laughs> like, maybe even make you think that you're getting a good deal. That's right. You feel good when you walk away and you have no idea. Yeah, they'll even, they'll even become a patient. People say, well, he's my patient or she's my patient. It's like, well, of course they are because they know if they spend 400, 500 bucks with you per year, they can overcharge you by 12 to 15,000 and you'll be less comfortable pushing back. Like it's a, <laughs> I'll give you 500 bucks a year. You give me $15,000 back yeah, for you. It's a good That's deal. Return on investment. <laughs> so how does that look when you hire professional representation? What does that look like? Well, the first question is, is, all right, yeah, I'd love to have someone else handle it for me. What's it cost? That's one of the best parts of this discussion. Uh, when you hire a, an agent or a broker as a tenant or buyer, you never pay that person, right? It's just like residential real estate. If you're going to list your house for sale, you hire an agent or broker, that's the listing agent and listing broker, and you agree to pay them a commission. That commission is built for two brokers. If the buyer shows up with an agent, then they uh. just put the commission right down the middle. But, but if you're going to buy a house, you would never pay a broker a commission. You know that the listing agent has a double commission set aside and they're going to split it. Same thing, commercial real estate. We should have led with that, Colin. We should, that should have been our first question was, how much is going to cost me? Nothing. Okay, I'll keep listening. <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly it. Well, you can, wow. you can splice the video up and then we'll just be out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll keep, them, we'll keep them hanging on to the end to hear what the cost is. Yeah, I think that, I, didn't, I mean, I had no idea. I figured there's some sort of monthly fee to hire for your services, but you're saying, Basically, I negotiate through you. You're my now. You now you're like my attorney, my lawyer, representing me for the lease negotiation, and you're going to split that commission with that uh, management company on the other end, right? Yeah, whether it's a management company or a listing agent or broker, in almost every transaction, there's a fee set aside. A lot of doctors think to themselves, "Well, if I don't use a broker, I'll save that money." Again, that's another huge mistake because you're not the one determining the commission amount, and you're not the one paying the commission. Hmm. Landlords and listing agents are famous for telling doctors, uh, and again, because they don't, they wouldn't try and tell someone like Chipotle or Starbucks this because they know better. But they love to tell doctors, if you don't use a broker, we'll give you a better deal. Wow! And then the doctor buys off on it, or the office manager, whoever's handling, buys off on it. And it's, you know, again, it's like me saying, hey, listen, it's it's twenty five cents each, or if you are interested, I can get you at three for a dollar. And people wow. just hear, they hear discount or better deal. Like, oh yeah, I'll take that. They yeah. Have a clue what that means. And so, you know, you, you need to have professional representation. It's not going to cost you anything. And then the next part of this equation is what does that, what does that broker agent do? They go to the market ahead of time and they do all the due diligence and research. They let you know if you want to move, there's three options that are comparable for you to, to lease. If you want to purchase, there's two, two buildings or two condos for sale. If you want to buy a piece of ground, here's your best options. Then they put all the numbers together and then they start negotiating simultaneously on multiple properties. And that's a big difference as well between commercial and residential. Residential, you pick the property that you fall in love with that you want to own, you submit a contract. And if the seller signs it, you're under contract, you're locked and loaded. Wow. In commercial, you negotiate on a non-binding basis. You're trading paper back and forth, but it's not a binding contract. It's, it's non-binding. It's a non-binding letter of intent or request for proposal. And so your brokers is doing due diligence, doing research, they're finding the best options. 
And then they're negotiating with multiple owners and then they're giving you detailed information saying, here's what you're paying currently in your current property. Here's what it would look like if you wanted to go purchase and here's how the numbers compare. Here's why you should stay. Here's why you should move. And here's what other landlords are willing to do. And so when you start negotiating with your current landlord, you've got, you've got market intelligence and market detailed information on what other landlords will or won't do. So you're not going to get taken advantage of. If your landlord's trying to charge you $25 a square foot and the other three <laughs> landlords in the area are at 20 or 18 a square foot, you know that it's, you're grossly overpaying yeah. and you can then leverage that information. Yeah. So uh, a listing broker's job, or sorry, uh, a listing broker's job is to get the landlord the most amount of money they possibly can. Raise the lease rates as high as yeah. possible. Give as little. A tenant or buyer agent is trying to help level the playing field for their client. And in this case, a dentist. And they're trying to help them save as much money and get as competitive of a lease rate and as, as high of concessions as they possibly can. And that that you know pendulum can swing one way or the other, but usually there's a couple hundred thousand dollars at play. Wow. And all of that fee is paid in the transaction, not by the client, not by the dentist. Yeah. If they go buy a $500,000 building, there's a commission set aside for a percentage of that for both sides. If they go do a lease, there's a percentage of that as well. And so sometimes, you know, you'll hear someone say, all right, well, how do I know that, you know, if you're paid by the other person, how do I know you're really working for me or, yeah. So the answer to that question is you've got to trust the person you're working with. Yeah. No different than a patient has to trust you that if you say, Hey, listen, I can't save this tooth. Like, you know, could you save it? Or, Hey, you know, we really need to do this procedure. Otherwise it's going to get worse in the future. I like that, but there's also a way to have a check and balance, which is get a second opinion. The way that you trust your agent is by getting uh, referrals, recommendations, but they also should be showing you the market. They should go show you three or four other properties. They should show you the numbers of what other people are willing to do. And when they do that, you become educated to where you know that you're not being taken advantage of. You know that you're getting the best terms possible. And that's a great check and balance as well. Wow, that's great. I love it. No, it's just such, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe this is like everybody knows this and, and I'm being naive, but I just feel like most of my clients don't hear this this clearly. They get an idea of, especially if they go buy, they know, oh, I go get a real estate agent. You know, I, I just go get a broker. But I don't know in the lease side of things that they're really paying attention. Hey, I need to have someone on my side negotiating for me. So I think that's wonderful insight. Okay. They're not. I mean, it's, um, I mean, we, we represent a couple thousand healthcare providers every year. And I mean, we, we touch a lot of deals. The vast majority of our clients have never used someone in the past, or if they did, it was somebody who did residential real estate who had no clue when it came to commercial. And then they had no clue when it came to healthcare. So it's, it's very common. Again, you go to dental school because you want to become good clinically. You know, you have a game plan to help people. You don't go to dental school because you want to become uh, a master negotiator or get into these high conflict <laughs> discussions with savvy landlords that want to pound you in the ground. <laughs> Doctors don't like that. They're like, Hey, I don't, I'm uncomfortable. And the landlords know that. So yep. a lot of landlords are cordial and respectful. There's a whole other segment of, segment of them that want to make it as uncomfortable as possible. And they want to get you just to tap and sign whatever document they put in front of you and get you to disappear for five, 10 years. And that's a strategy a lot of landlords use as well. Man, I hear you. I hear you. So you you mentioned an evaluation. So tell us how how the people who are listening can do an evaluation. Uh, if you go to our website, it's car.us. And we have a, a free service that we offer. In addition to everything we do is free, but we have a specific service that's called the free evaluation. 
And if you want to know how your current terms compare to the market, you signed a lease three, five, seven, ten years ago, you inherited a lease when you bought a practice, and you want to know how do those terms compare to the market, we'll do a detailed analysis for you and tell you exactly if you have a good, bad, or average deal. Wow. We'll also tell you what the proper timing is that you would want to start your next transaction. If you're interested in purchasing, we can run a purchase versus lease analysis and compare your options to own versus what you're currently paying. And then more importantly, we'll run options to own versus what you will pay if you are properly represented and get a good deal in your next negotiation as well. So we can basically just tell you, hey, listen, this is when you start your next transaction. Here's what you need to be aware of. Here's how your current terms compare or rank to the current market. And then here are all your options, lease, relocate, renew, purchase, whatever it is. And we basically just arm you with the information. Gotcha. So it's, I'm thinking of a client, you know, uh, she's got a renewal coming up in January. There's also potential to buy a building. You know, should she move? Should she lease for a year? Should she do a build out over here and release somewhere else? You know, and so she could take all three of those scenarios and plug those in and you'd help her figure it out. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And we'll just like, again, someone, someone goes to the dentist and says, hey, the doesn't feel right or this tooth hurts. Typically that dentist within a short period of time is going to say, here's your problem. Yeah. You know, where they just look in the mouth or then all of a sudden they, they, they throw an x-ray up there you get a 3D comb beam going around. Like, like they're going to figure it out because that's what they do for a living. And they're going to say, you have two choices. It's A or B. I recommend A and here's why. It's the same thing. A really good real estate agent is going to say, you have five options right now. Really two or three don't make any sense. These two make the most sense. And here's the pros and cons of both. And if I were you, I probably would strongly consider A. Yeah. And here's, here's the game plan as far as how we get there. Here's the timing. Here's the sequence. Here's who else you need on your team if you're going to do that transaction. And this is what a path to a successful deal looks like. Got it. That's so awesome. I'm so glad we spoke today. Is there anything else that you want to share with dentists who are listening right now? Any advice you want to give them? Maybe a, a young dentist graduating in 2020 with everything we've been through this year and they're wondering, you know, should I, should I really look at buying? Should I maybe slow down and lease or should I have uh, Colin and his team evaluate? <laughs> yeah. The, the best advice I can give anyone is just understand your options. Mm -hmm. Don't fall in love with one property. Don't fall in love with one concept. Let someone help you go to the market and figure out all your options. Options to lease, options to purchase, retail spaces, office spaces, medical spaces. Let someone do the due diligence for you and then help you see your options. Yeah. That's one. Have professional representation. Don't try to do it yourself mentality. That's no different than someone saying, I can take out my own tooth with an ice skate and rock. Like, <laughs> don't do that. If you become savvy enough after you've been around enough transactions where you feel confident, that's a different story. But let people who are trained and specialized in an area help you. Yeah. Just like people come to you for a certain reason, do the same thing for real estate, do the same thing for practice management, do the same thing for financing. Like let people that they specialize, let them help you because it's going to be a better process. You're going to get a better outcome. And then you're going to avoid the costly pitfalls and complications uh, of, of the do-it-yourself failure reel, which happens to doctors all the time. And one more reason why it's so important as well you only get one crack at this thing every five to 10 years. Like, it's not like, hey, you, you tried a new bonding material and then you decided that's not what I want to use. And I'm just going to chuck this, this tube or this, even if I got a case, I'll chuck it and go back to the other stuff that's better. You know, or, hey, this isn't setting right. Or, hey, I don't like the software here. You can, you can change your mind. You sign a bad lease and you're locked and loaded for five, seven or 10 years and you don't get a redo. Like you have to wait it out. If you buy a building and you overpay by 100, 200 grand or you don't have a good lender and you get the wrong type of loan, 
and you pay an extra 150000 in interest, even if you refinance it. I mean, there's all these different things out there. It's like, why? Just yeah. Hire people that are qualified that will help you and they will protect your interest and they will make your life a lot better. Yeah. So true. I, I, look, I'm in, I'm on the consulting or coaching side of things and I see dentists all the time struggling to figure out how to, you know, train their team, whether it's verbal skills or systems on how to effectively run a practice. It's really no different. And so I can totally see how your services are a huge benefit to just the dentists who are listening right now. So if any of you are listening and, and you know someone who's in this situation where they're considering the, their new lease or buying, whatever it is, please share this with them and uh, make sure we get the word out that there's just good options out there for them. And then if you're looking for training your team, make sure you email heather at allstardentalacademy.com. We'll help you out on that as well. All right, Colin. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I think you've given just just more than more than enough information here for people to feel like, okay, I have options here. I know what I should be doing and I should be trying to do this on my own. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to invest in yourself. And until next time, go out there and be an all-star. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com. 